thing that you have with that is now you've got a two-way signal going in. Mm-hmm. I can communicate with the device and the device can then communicate back. And so the challenge there is, you know, what are you doing? How is that data communication happening? Podcast. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is great. I look forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're, you're really interesting because you know you, you're running multiple things at the same, at the same time. I love that about you. You, you know you have this uh, connection in a network. You're connecting um, founders and startups within the region, within York region together. Uh, you have, you know, Infill Clipboard uh, uh, that became Infill Solutions, I believe. Yes. Right. That just won um, this year's. Te- uh, thir- you placed third place in um, uh, venture yeah, pitch in, competition. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in venture last pitch Made competition. Made in York region. Yeah. Made in York region. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, long term coming. I mean, you, you guys have been grinding away at this for a few years now. You had a solution out in in the marketplace that was really, um, really robust. And I know you kind of sprawled from that. Last time we talked, I think it was a year ago at the last Made in York Region event, 2019. We just we just talked about that. Yeah. But even before that, we have had a few touch points here and there, different competitions, uh, different meetings, uh, events. And I think we were introduced uh, by our mutual friend uh, Bren. Yes. That also works with you right, as well, right? Uh, in our sister company, yes. In our sister company. Yeah, there you go. So um, I want to talk about a few things, like definitely all the different things you have going on with Infield and the, the sister companies and the product offerings, because I think you're building kind of like an ecosystem, right, with all these products and services that can... Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's interesting you use the word ecosystem because uh, the difficulty in situations like this is that am I trying to be too much to everybody or mm-hmm. am I really focused on the area that supports... Uh, you know, one set of customers. Yeah. And, uh, and this is a really the question I, I really want to get an answer from because you hear this all the time from, you know, startup folks to mentors to VCs. It's like, hey, you know, start your company off, focus on one problem set for one target audience, get really good at that. And then when you grow and you expect, you can expand into different areas. Right? And that's usually what you hear. And even like the traditional SaaS-based businesses and technology firms, that's what they do. They sell a core business. Yeah. So their brand becomes synonymous to the solution to that problem. People are thinking about that. Right? And that's generally the success metrics you've seen. That's generally the hype metrics you've seen. You, know, you see the Uber that is, you know, does an X. Airbnb <clears> does <throat> X. Right? They have a, a whole bunch of different things they do around that. But they, you're, they're known for this one problem. Right? So with Infield, what's that one problem? Because you guys have a Again, an ecosystem you're developing, like a, a community of app, applications. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we started out as a technology firm. So we actually became uh, an IT services firm. Mm-hmm. That's what Vertace is, and it's a sister company. And it's still operational. It's still running. And But in that, we started to get requests from different organizations to say, hey, you know what, you're supporting me on my IT side. Can you also support me on software development? Mm-hmm. So we started going through that, and we came with two of our customers came back to us and said, hey, we need software development for be, to be able to manage our workforce in the field through their mobile devices. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of research around that, and we f- couldn't find one that was, A, you know, cost-effective enough, small enough that it would be uh, you know, relatively easily used by all of the different people in the field. Sorry, this was in 2015, 2016? This is earlier. This is actually like 2012, 2013. Wow, okay, yeah. That makes much sense, yeah? Yeah, because, and then what we did was, over the next you know, five years, we started to develop more customers. We started to create a, a SaaS play in what we call field service management software. 
what we then realized is that we're focusing on IT, we're focusing on software development, we're focusing on new biz development, we're doing a lot of different focuses. And so what we did was we split the company from the technology or the IT services company into a software play. Mm-hmm. So into Clipboard became our software play. And I use it with quotes because that's the real name of our software is Clipboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea here is that you know, you're in the field and you've got a digital clipboard. Uh, where people used to be walking around with paper, now they walk around with their cell phones, which they have anyway. And all we've done is digitize their entire paper workflow into a uh, a digital format. Mm-hmm. When within two years, uh, well, within a year of us splitting Infield Clipboard out, we expanded our services to call it Solutions, because now customers came to us and said, "Hey, you've got this great little piece of software which I'm using. Can you make it smart for my kind of customer? So, you know, we started to get into something we call leak, leak mitigations or leak, mm-hmm. leak warnings. And then in the same way, we started getting into, you know, another set of services. Again, our customers came to us and say, can you do this? So as genius as we think we are, is we're really, you know, looking at what our customers are telling us they want. We're developing it and then we're expanding on opportunities based on those specific needs that the customers are looking for. Mm-hmm. And so our customers are coming to us and asking us, can you do this, 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 and this? That's how we've grown our business over the last you know, multiple years. So today, as solutions, um, we're focusing most of our attention on what we're calling building IQ. So building IQ means that you know, we're going after uh, smart water or washroom, smart washrooms, so we can tell you how many people are going in, how many people are coming out, uh, and then we can take that information and create a uh, trigger to say, hey, listen, 50 people have gone in, you should send somebody to clean up. Or, you know, 20 people have used this particular stall, you should send somebody to make sure that that stall gets replenished or cleaned up or whatever. So within that smart washroom, we've also added, you know, or we've had our leak mitigation, so what we call water IQ. So we're able to say, hey, you know what, you've got a leak on the fifth floor, uh, you need to be able to send a message, detect the leak, uh, identify the severity of the leak, send a message to the key stakeholders for that particular location and make sure that gets there in a timely manner. Uh, We've done an implementation already this year in the middle of COVID, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're testing, we're doing all this, we're putting it in, we're working with the customer. And all of a sudden I get a a leak alert. And I'm looking at this, I don't remember setting up a test for this time. And so then I call up the customer. I said, hey, did you get a leak? It was like 7 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Hey, did you get a leak alert? And she goes, yeah, I got a leak alert at 7 in the morning, which is you know great because that's when the leak happened. My other sensors didn't send me anything till 10 in the morning. Hmm. And so in that three-hour time frame, they were able to send the, a plumber or you know whomever to clean up the leak, fix the problem, ident- identify what the problem was, and, and get it cleaned up as quickly as they could. Mm-hmm. That happened six times over the last six months. Jeez. So for us, it's a huge, huge uh, validation of the success that we've had with that. So all that is encompassed under building IQ. Mm. Now we're starting something new because we've uh, uh, gotten into a, a relationship with a, with a great company uh, out of Montreal, and they're doing um, lockers, digital lockers. So what that means is, so in your building, I don't, um, I don't know if you remember what your condo looked like or what your uh, first apartment looked like. I remember mine very clearly. If I ever received a package, it just sat there on the floor. It was available for everybody to see. You know, there was a value of trust associated to it. You know, you would go pick up your package, or or it would sit in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, in today's world, you know, that was 25 years ago for me. In today's world, packages are coming in and out of 
buildings constantly and the concierge can't look after it if they do or the security guard can't look after it if they do. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're developing these lockers, but our locker system is different than others in that it's totally touchless. So the the delivery person comes in, scans the barcode on the on the package and says, okay, these are the available lockers, puts the package into, say, locker number five, closes the door. That information gets stored in our cloud. The recipient receives the barcode, comes down, scans their barcode, locker number five opens, picks it up, all touchless. Mm-hmm. That's, again, a, an extension to what we're doing under Building IQ. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very exciting for us uh, because those are our three main pieces. And then we're doing one more, which we've been working on for the last two years. Mm-hmm. We've really honed our software uh, really well, and we're now creating franchisees for that. And what's, it's what we call Food IQ. So we IQ everything. Food IQ, I remember this. So um, we call it Food IQ, and the idea behind that is, uh, or really it's shop, not even food, because we're not just delivering food and creating a marketplace like a, a convenience store. Uh, we're not just doing that. It's all sorts of things that we can do now with those. And now with the smart locker component, Mm -hmm. Uh, that we're building called Connected Cubbies. We're able to do more with those kinds of locations. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's all focused around infield solutions, but it's focused around this building IQ. So, you know, what do we have to do for property, prop tech? How do we make those improvements easier? You know, how do you support the uh, maintenance people? How do you support the people who are within the units of those buildings uh, and so on? So yeah, lots of things constantly mm-hmm. changing, uh, you know, pivoting uh, as we need to pivot in order to be able to you know take the feedback that we receive from our customers, and then create a business model around it. Does that yeah, I mean, make sense? Yeah, I mean the, 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 the way you explain it, like you know, you're, you're seeing these different verticals that happen all within this the, the property tech space, and by having this like uh, this again, this economy of uh, of different uh, different tools that uh, can be deployed. You're solving this core problem for building managers: how to how to better manage their properties, how to right. employ smarter technologies. And since you have this like uh, like the different uh, different suite of products, right? It's almost plug and play. What exactly their needs are, where, where how to plug it in. And the interesting thing about it is the core technology that we've developed over the last seven years, which is clipboard is all facets of the same piece that we're actually deploying in all these uh, uh, all these different plays. Mm-hmm. So the, what's great about that is that you know we haven't gone away from our original core. Now we're just creating threads from that original core to all the different uh, um, technology or solutions that we're uh, putting out into the marketplace. Yeah, um, we had Ari from Kohler's um, Kohler's International's uh, PropTech Accelerator. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's located in Toronto, and you know, they they focus. Uh, they, they, he, he talked a lot about how there's these huge public and private um, interest groups that are working together to better to better bring technology into the property management space. And the reason is uh, security, but also this informatics, right? The ability to bring down lags and and uh, and, and provide intelligence to an aging uh, to an aged industry. Yeah. Right. How does that? look like for you because most property managers are pretty uh, pretty much older gentlemen <laughs> right in their 70s or you know managing properties in a very uh, in a systematic way that's in they've been they're uncomfortable with for like 20 years 30 years right how has the response been like from the use of technology at the scale i think the the response is quite positive 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really comes down to, in, in the end, for anybody, including property managers, it's dollars and cents. Yeah. And so the way we frame it and the way we position it is, uh, you know, there's, there's three or four components of, of, of costs you need to look at. Mm-hmm. One is that, you know, typically how many leaks do you have in a, in a year? If you've got a relatively new building, even in new buildings you get leaks. But if you've got a relatively new building, uh, you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, define that. But let's say, like, in the example that I just gave, uh, you know, we've had six leaks in six months. That's a relatively new building. So let's say a, a leak a month. Let's be really conservative and let's say a leak a quarter, for example. Okay. So you get a, a, a leak a quarter. So what's your cost on, you know, A, how quickly have you found the leak in the first place? Mm-hmm. And if you haven't found a leak relatively quickly, what's your cost been to repair? So then if you look at it from a, from a, uh, cost of the leak itself and the repair costs and that's just the repair cost of that particular location what if that leak expanded into multiple units or multiple floors mm-hmm. now you're you know growing your cost base significantly and so the way we approach it is you've got your option to be able to be notified as soon as a leak happens mm-hmm. we're even creating an option to say how severe is the leak we're creating the option to say, hey, look, there's a leak on unit 1201. We should shut off the water in that unit. Or we can shut off the water on the floor. Or we can shut off the water for three floors, uh, depending on you know how the business wants or the building wants to support mm-hmm. uh, that infrastructure. The other thing that we talk about is very people are very uncomfortable with the use of technology to say, um, you know, what's what am I going to connect with their infrastructure, their Wi-Fi, their network, and so on. We built a system that is totally independent of anybody else's infrastructure. Mm-hmm. What I like about it is that I can retrofit this into any kind of building, a brand new building that's only a year old into a, a an old infrastructure building that's 50 years old. Yeah. Why? Because my entire infrastructure, my entire sensor grid and communication vehicle is all wireless. Mm-hmm. And it's not just wireless, it's cellular based. So if there's a leak on you know, the 20th floor in a 50 year old building and you don't want it to go down into all the other floors or leak into the other apartments, we would know that there's a leak on the 20th floor and we can notify the superintendent or the plumber or any other, other organizations to be able to easily say, hey, there's a leak, you gotta go get that fixed really quickly. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes what they call a mop and uh, towel uh, uh, you know, fixer upper okay. versus a, a real uh, like a full scale uh, renovation. Full scale like. renovation in order to be yeah. able to fix it. Now, the other thing is, if you have that kind of service, what does it mean from an insurance perspective? Uh, you know, what's your deductible today? Uh, you know, if you've got a leak that's ten thousand dollars, is an insurance company covering it for you? Mm-hmm. And if you can reduce four such leaks over the year that are less than ten thousand dollars, how valuable is that as a tool for you to be able to? Uh, you know, reduce your costs uh, and reduce your, uh, you know, overall spend in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we're positioning it. I think uh, property managers in general like the idea. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to what does it mean as a dollars and cents spend for them. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? No, absolutely. I mean, I mean that I, I, that idea of being able to like provide that kind of insights, right? It's interesting. But, but I think my question is like, there's such a variety, like IoT. Right, such a variety of tools and and parts of the space. Yeah. How interconnectable is it? Like I know you said, you're an independent system that people can deploy. 
but let's say you know we we've, we had a company on before on the podcast that what they did was you know there's like a a sensor add-on that uses uh, sound you add it to a pipe industrial yep. pipe complex and yep. it'll listen to um, the pressure going within the pipes and being able to give you an estimate of the pressure without a gauge or without going into the pipes and then Amazing, gives you, it gives you kind of that sensory feedback back right yeah like something that niche like that right can that fit into your ecosystem can i fit into your management uh, yeah. into, your, into your management dashboard yeah so the way it would work is every manufacturer of sensors and there are now you know in the last two years we mm-hmm. got into this really in the last two years in the last two years there are hundreds to thousands of manufacturer of sensors worldwide mm-hmm. where we find our value isn't just the fact that we have our own sensors but we can now bring other sensors from other people into our ecosystem mm-hmm. all we need to learn is how that sensor communicates so you know if you if you think about um, wireless protocols you know you've got bluetooth you've got wi-fi uh, you got the NFC, depending on how close you are to a particular device. Then you can get into um, things such as uh, LoRa and the LoRaWAN, uh, uh, Zigbee and Z-Wave. These are all mm-hmm. different protocols uh, to be able to do uh, wireless communication between devices. And what we've built is a our, our uh, gateway, which is the one that communicates with the outside world and connects all the sensors together. That communicates on a proprietary um, mm, a signal. Wave, signal. Thank you. Yeah. And but what we're able to do is say, oh, this connection, you know, this this company or this customer really wants this particular device. If we don't have such a device, and we say, yeah, we can integrate that device into our gateway and then onto our platform. What we can do at that point is we can learn the technology around that particular device, mm-hmm. figure out how it communicates, have it communicate to our main gateway. And then now it becomes part of our ecosystem. So this gateway is almost like a like a sensory hub that can connect to multiple different types of uh, input, sensory input. That's really interesting. And I think um, the, the the really interesting case is you, like you said you develop your own proprietary signals. Yes. Right. I mean that is the ultimate way to protect uh, from intrusion, is it not? Uh, it, it is. Um, so there's two things, right? One is uh, you have to ask yourself. What's the intrusion? <laughs> okay, so if if I'm not touching anybody else's network, if I'm not touching the network in your house, okay, and I bring in my sensor box and I put the box in your house and I plug it into your mains, but all of the, the co- connectivity of those sensors only happens between the sensor and my hub. And that hub then communicates with my cloud. So A, I'm not touching your network at all. Uh, I'm not interfering with anything that you're doing in your home at the moment. Mm. And so what's nice about that is that the customer really isn't uh, impacted by a breach. Mm-hmm. But the second piece is now if I've got multiple kinds of sensors that the customer wants me to in- integrate with, now there's that layer of increased uh, security that we have to build into it, right? And so all my sensors are proprietary, so it communicates directly with our hub. Now I'm bringing in other sensors. So can I yep. connect into a Nest? Yes, I can. How does Nest work? Well, I don't know if you saw it recently. I, I read a great article, uh, I think it was this morning, that um, you know Google went down. So because Google went mm-hmm. down, I couldn't change the heat in my home because hmm. my Nest couldn't connect to the net hmm. and couldn't connect to Google. Now, Google was only down for an hour, but that yep. wasn't the point, right? And all of a sudden, oh, my God, 
here is Google, this super giant monster yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. organization that is connected worldwide to everything. Mm-hmm. They're one downtime, which will be an hour in the entire year. You know, if you think about it, it's 99.999% uptime. But that one time, mm-hmm. now it's impacted this particular home. Yeah. And if you do that, now you look at, you know, Alexa, you look at all these interconnected systems. And, uh, you know, it, it brought me to how we're dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, till, till today, uh, all our supply chain in Canada, especially, has been always from worldwide. Yeah. We didn't have manufacturing processes for our, uh, uh, for our vaccines. We didn't mm-hmm. have uh, manufacturing processes for PPE. Yeah. We didn't have manufacturing processes for a lot of these things that we had to continuously import from China or mm-hmm. Asia or India or wherever. Now, I think what COVID is doing is it's recognizing that, yes, you need a place like China and India and, you know, all these low-cost places, but you have to have certain core components that exist within your ge- geographic boundaries. Yeah. And I think that's going to bring your supply chain down to, you know, smaller and smaller batches, but local. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also what's going to happen with uh, uh, with the technology, like you know the Nest, for example, that we can integrate with. Is now instead of having one server that anybody connects to, I think you're going to see Google start to do local servers that mm. are all interconnected, so that it you know if one server goes down in in uh, uh, Seattle or in California, it won't impact Canada, or it won't impact Europe, or it won't impact uh, Asia. And uh, I think Microsoft did that. Uh, they've got uh, their Office 365 servers splattered all over, you know, U.S. and Canada and Europe and so on, so that each person connects to a local server. They don't connect, and that eventually connects to the greater hub. Yeah. But if one hub goes down, it does, you know, you still have the opportunity to keep your, you know, 80 to 90 percent of your businesses to keep going. Yeah. So coming yeah, yeah. back to your original question about security, yes, we can integrate. Uh, it does impact. Uh, security, but it really depends on what data that you're going to pull out of it. Mm-hmm. If all you're doing is pulling out, yes, I have a leak. No, I don't. <laughs> or, <laughs> or uh, you know, my humidity in this room is really bad. We should do something about it. Send a send an alert. It depends on what it is. But if it's all interconnected in that building, yeah. now you do have a security flaw. Hmm, that's interesting, right? The the, the way you put it, it's like this uh, this this physical barrier to prevent uh, to to separate things from each other. Uh, you know, like I, I, like um, if you remember, like I used to sell um, Google smart home devices as yes. part of uh, as part of uh, a suite of offerings to the residential market for IoT devices, right? Mm-hmm. The residential market for smart homes, right? Uh, yes, I remember. Yeah, so we that was really interesting because I got to understand technology a lot better. So Google uh, Nest before they got hired, Google uh, before Google acquired them. They they also created their own uh, signal. They call it the Nest Weave, and the problem they're trying to uh, to, to solve was two faced, exactly like yours. It's, uh, have their own uh, signal that communicates so it's less hackable, but two also is communication, right? Because when you have something like Bluetooth, which is short band and a high burst, allows for the transfer of huge packet, large packets of data, but devices be relatively close together, plus yeah. take a lot of a lot of power. And Wi-Fi, you know, you can broadcast high amount of information for, for, for a, within a pretty uh, wide uh, wide uh, space range, mm-hmm. right? So your modem sitting in your living room can broadcast, you know, the internet uh, to upstairs, downstairs, yep. all that. Uh, but again, requires a lot of power. 
So the problem set was for IoT devices, you know, that run on battery, especially, or really small devices, how do you, they don't need to have high bandwidth of, uh, of uh, information. Like sometimes all you got to say is like, am I on? Yes, no. It's like, is, you know, it's like, is there, is there smoke? Is there fire? Yes, no. Right. Is there a leak? Right. Is That's there water? It. Yes, no. All That's you got to say is that little tiny information. Right. So it doesn't require a lot of power. It doesn't require it to be always on. It just needs it to be able to send a low latency signal. So Nest created their own signal, a low latency signal called Weave. And how it works is all devices kind of broadcast together, network with them themselves so that each device can talk to the other device. Yes. And it creates a weave within the home um, so that you can have multi-operational. So like if like your fire alarm um, goes off, right, it'll send a broadcast signal out, one, to uh, to your phone, right? So you'll get an alert. But it can also send a signal to your thermostat, your Nest thermostat, to shut off your furnace. And if your, your, uh, your uh, what's it, your um, uh, stove, right, is also interconnected with the device, right? If it has that made, yes. with, made with Nesca kind of sticker on it, has that yes. uh, chip in it, it can also communicate to the stove and turn the stove off, right? All, all, you can run that automation yourself. Yes. And the whole, po- the whole point was the, you know, the same kind of operation you, your capacity trying to provide to the commercial, you know, property management groups, they were trying to do for within homes in a smart, easy to way fashion, focus on safety, right? Focus on safety and security. And I found this super intriguing. This is like around 2015, 2016. I'm like, this is cutting edge. And you're, you're bringing, you're bringing like the, the next iteration of technology, the, the forefront of the newest wave of, of, of technology integration into the home, right? Making it more surrounding of people. Uh, so like, I get what you're, what you're saying here, like, you know, the, the, the protection based off that security, right? But the problem again happens that if you see all the intrusion from smart home, it hasn't happened from the mainstream product. It all happens to third-party products yes. that people plug in, yes. right? Like that third-party random, like, you know, $5 smart plug that you plug into your wall socket that also yep. connects to your Wi-Fi. And then from there, boom, you know, some intruder gets into your Wi-Fi router through that device. And then, yes. you know, they, they, are, they, are, they can copy everything, all the packets of data going through your home. And then that's how people get, in, get involved, right? And there was a uh, there was a case recently. We had a cybersecurity expert um, came in. I think it was Mick B from from Wirespace. Yeah, I know. What I think it was. Mick was talking about this, right? Um, I could be wrong, but he he talked about this particular case. There was a aquarium, multi-million dollar aquarium, and the janitor or property manager or somebody installed like a third-party smart thermostat wow. into the system. Right, just just a thermostat control one of the rooms, and it was networked to his computer. And he was networked to his phone. He was just he was experimenting with themselves to make things easier, and intruders were able to use uh, the lack of security there to get in from the thermostat to get into the the wireless router of this aquarium through that aquarium, read the packets of data, and breached the 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 security infrastructure and took control of the heating elements of the aquarium. Oh my God. And they're able to hold this aquarium for ransom, for ransomware, right? And attract a bunch of a bunch of money from it. And luckily, nothing happened to the, the to the to the, uh, to the animals. But you can imagine how this could potentially lead to loss of life, right? loss of loss of uh, loss of uh, loss of capital, right? Safety concerns, all these issues, right? It is third party uh, third party systems. There was another company that we were talking to. There was uh, it was uh, it came out of an incubator meant for. Uh, immigrant uh, founders, right? Okay. Bala Group. Um, they introduced us to it. Um, there was a security company that uh, they were into incubating that was sol- trying to solve this particular problem. How do you better 
analyze cybersecurity threats from a systems point of view for property managers, right? Is your HVAC system safe? You know, like people talk, people like property management groups, like especially for commercial properties, uh, especially for office buildings, you know, they put a lot of infrastructure on the front face of technology, you know, the, the Ethernet cables, making sure the internet connections, the Wi Fi, all that's secure. But the back end technologies, like, you know, the, the, the HVAC systems, the heating controls, uh, all that kind of stuff is kind of, kind of on the back burner. And those are the elements for intrusion from a, from a property standpoint that's becoming more and more of a concern. Right. Right. And, uh, and uh, absolutely, there's two things to remember. One is, is your the system that you're putting in, whatever that system is, is it uh, inward facing or is it outward facing? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if all you're doing uh, with a system that you put in is outward facing, meaning that I'm collecting the data, I'm sending it out, I'm collecting the data, I'm sending it out, and there's no content that's coming in to that system. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it creates its own firewall in, uh, in the ecosystem that belongs to those kinds of uh, environments. The second piece, which is the pay, where you're going, at, or at least how, how I see where you're going at, is if you've got all these systems, so you've got a HVAC system, you've got an air conditioning system, you've got, I mean, it's, it's these, you've got a, you know, a hot water heater system, and now these are all smart. All these manufacturers like Train and you know, all these really big, even commercial manufacturers are making these smart systems so that, mm-hmm. hey, uh, you're able to monitor content within the machine itself, but you're also able to co- uh, monitor the environment that's associated to it. Now, but the, this, the thing that you have with that is now you've got a two-way signal going in. Mm-hmm. I can communicate with the device and the device can then communicate back. And so the challenge there is, you know, what are you doing? How is that data communication happening? And if you've got a one-way communication, just basically taking the data out, going in through that infrastructure is a little harder. I'm not saying it's impossible. You know, there's all sorts of great hackers out there that can do pretty much anything. Uh, but uh, uh, if you've got already that system to say that the only objective of that content is to be sending it out, can you still do something with it? Absolutely. You can send, you can hack into the cloud, you can send alerts where there are none, uh, you know, you can send, you know, and if you connect that to the next and next services, you know, you got to be careful what you do with the data. Uh, but coming back to where you were getting, if I can communicate into the system, now I can connect to all the different systems that are that are within the, uh, uh, inside the firewall itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sort of. Like, I'm still learning about how these kind of intrusions work and things like that, because it's fascinating, right? I mean, the cybercrime and cyber warfare is becoming more and more a a forefront of, um, you know, our zygote, right? Especially now with everything being remote, everything working from home, and things being separated, like, you know, like, you know, for us being separated from these safety facilities of our workplace and our employers and, and, and the, the investment they put into into cybersecurity and, and, and securitizing things, even with that, even with that amount of effort, there's still a lot of issues, right? And I think from a systems point of view, right, like, where do we solve this? Is it is it up to integrators like you that come in and, and figure out from a, from a systems point of view while you're installing that, hey, by the way, you should also look at this, right? <laughs> or is it like, you know, consultants come into that, like, where the where the first principles thinking come when it comes to cybersecurity and thinking the future of it? Like, how do we plan for it moving forward? I think there's a lot of great companies out there that are already planning. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, you know, great large companies, startups, everything that are uh, looking at this kind of information and trying to figure out 
how to position mm-hmm. it for you know property managers, individual homes, whatever that may be. I think similar to what has happened, you know, again, I'll use COVID as an example. Nobody thought that we were going to get into a global pandemic. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say nobody. You know, Bill Gates thought it mm-hmm. a year ago. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, uh, who's the the uh, scientists in um, Delaware or uh, Maryland? Uh, they created a uh, a think tank. Mm-hmm. They ran a scenario where they had a, a virus that came in from China, and you know how did it spread? And you know they did a, a three week, I think it was a three week session. And they nailed 80% of everything that happened with COVID as it happened starting January. And they did this back in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. And they'd already created, oh, oh my God, this is going to happen next. And they had, you know, some very good thinkers in the world came together for that three-week conference and created, uh, you know, almost created a, a work plan yeah. on how to handle a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so to say that, you know, nobody thought of it is wrong. People mm-hmm. were thinking about it, but nobody really took it to say we need to be able to be prepared for it. Yeah, uh, I think the government of the United States tried to do that back in 2012, 13, 14 area because they were dealing with uh, the Ebola uh, situation that had happened around the world. Mm-hmm. But it didn't become a pandemic. It was localized to you know one yeah. sector of the world. Um, but nobody thought of it. And I think now that it happened and all these resources were put to it and got into it and created all of these different processes and what can you do here what can you do here and literally everybody's been running or flying by the seat of their pants and making decisions pretty quickly as they go along i think what's going to end up happening in the example that you just gave is that it's not going to impact anybody and few people are going to be that forward thinking to say yes we need to be able to do this Mm-hmm. until they get into a problem. When yeah. they get into a problem, then they say, yes, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And then they're going to go shopping for what works, what's already out there, and you know how does that fit with the way I want to work, and then take advantage of that. And I think, you know, you look at ransomware today, mm. everybody thinks that they're not going to get hit until they get hit. Yeah. Uh, and then once they get hit, now you have to say, okay, how do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. You know, some people, uh, you know, People way smarter than me are, are already thinking about what to do, how to back up information, how far back do we need that information in order to be able to say, I'm not going to pay the ransom, I'm just going to restore from one week, two weeks, mm-hmm. one month, two months. Um, and, uh, you know, and if you can think that far ahead, terrific. I think you know, you've got the right play, but you know, it's insurance against what may happen. Yeah. Oh, that it will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I want I want to rope back to the the product and the uh, development side of things, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like it's one thing. You know, there's challenges when anytime you're building and launching software. There's challenges when when it comes to building and launching hardware. For you, you got elements of both involved into that, right? Where does the operational capacity to understand one the problem sets of your clients and uh, and how to build this outcome from? How do you? How do you? Uh, where did that yin and yang come from? Like, what, yeah. what what led to this point where you decided I want to build this IoT company? Yeah. So a we have very good people that we work with, and it's the good people that we work with that give us the intelligence to see, to be able to say I can create an ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, and, and if we didn't have that, then you know we wouldn't be where we are today. Uh, and the other thing I think for us, like I said before. 
we're not the geniuses who came up with the idea. We've, you know, we're smart guys, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the geniuses are the ones who are on the front line today seeing the problem and then saying, hey, we need, I think I have a way to solve this. Can you guys do this? We're just fortunate that those geniuses who are out there are talking to people like us. Mm. And, you know, and we can say, hey, you know what? These are our customers. Our customers are looking for this. This is a great idea. You know, let's see what we can do with, with uh, this idea. And, you know, it's not like a, a switch that turns on to say, yes, you want it. I have it. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, we've taken, you know, the last two years to build it out. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and when we talk about it, when we looked at, just like we created our first version of Clipboard, we went and said, listen, I don't want to build it. I'm sure there's 100 pieces of software out there for our customer. Let's just go find it, show them how to use it, and then move on. Yeah. We looked. We couldn't find it. When we couldn't find it, then we said, okay, maybe we're looking too small. Let's really look enterprise. When we looked at enterprise, the costs were horrendous. Mm-hmm. And it didn't fit the specific requirements of our customers. So what we learned was when we were building Clipboard, the software changed the way the customer worked mm-hmm. because the so- customer had to adapt to the workflow process of all mm-hmm. these different software. What we said was, we're building it from scratch. We'll let them tell us how to, to create the workflow. So then we went in and said, how do you want to work? And so we tailored the the software to fit yeah. the way the customer works. Yeah. And so then as we got more and more customers, we standardized on a, a key set of uh, functionalities that all customers require. And then we kept a layer of custom pieces that worked specifically for each customer. Yeah. So one guy said, oh, I want a QuickBooks integration. Great, we have that. Oh, one buddy said, I have a Sage integration. Okay, great, we have that. Somebody said, oh, I want to integrate with GPS. Okay, great, we have that. That's on the software plane. But with the same concept even with integrating with the hardware was we we know, we searched, we looked, we looked at, you know, businesses out there. We looked at people who are doing this kind of stuff, which even though it's a very big thing to say IoT and IoT in the world and, you know, it's been around for five, six years, practical applications for Internet of Things or IoT devices has only come around in the last two years. And, you know, you talk about connectivity, putting the hub together it, and the hub technology and how to be able to interface with multiple kinds of sensors. What do those sensors mean? Where does it fit? How do you communicate that? All of those pieces really are coming to fruit in the last year. And so when we looked at all these different things and we couldn't fit, see the fit of the way we wanted to work, and we found the, uh, you know, a partner that we work with that's doing exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so then we said, okay, yeah, we got to build this. <laughs> so we got to. No, do I, I think that's really interesting. And what 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 what's really cool is, I mean, you're describing like the like the ultimate, the penultimate kind of form of uh, lean startup thinking, right? Build what the customer wants. Customer is king. Work within the what what they want, right? But I feel like there's just a position here between um, you know two lo- two standards of thinking. One is. You, know, you have this problem you want to solve. You go to the customers who experience the problem, figure out what, uh, how to solve it within the frame, work frame that they want to work, and build it, tailor it for them, right? And it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's a great merit to that. But there's also a different merit, you know, like the, the Henry Ford type thinking, right? Like, you know, like why, if I listen to my customers, they want a faster horse, right? Yeah. To be truly innovative, you know, the, the, the argument is, you know, you build something that, you know, it, it, out there, and then you 
get everyone to fold into that infrastructure, the novel way of doing things. You can have any color you like as long as it's black. Mm. And uh, that was Henry Ford's line. Yeah. Um, but uh, absolutely. Um, Akio Morita, who uh, I've read up on a little bit, he's the uh, past chair, uh, CEO of Sony um, Technologies. Mm-hmm. In the early 80s, he came out with the Walkman. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what they wanted mm-hmm. from a Walkman. I don't know. You, maybe you're too young for a Walkman, but uh, <laughs> I remember. What he did was really quite interesting. He said, "My customers don't know what they want. I've created something new, and I'm bringing it to them." So he had three lines of development cycles. He had one line that says, "Okay, I've got this Walkman. What's my next gen of Walkman?" Second line was. I want to disperse that first two lines of Walkman. So he had a second line of developers and thinkers looking at what more could you do. Mm. And because even just having a Walkman, having portable music, putting a cassette in there, and again, you probably don't know what cassettes are, but you know, <laughs> you know, putting a cassette in your in your Walkman and playing it on your headsets was a big deal in the eighties. Yeah, uh, I remember clearly. Like, I mean, I had a I, I, my Walkman. I don't have anything that big. Well, you know, the size of my uh, my modem here, it was so big. But I carried it. It was like, you know, I had a purse on the side, and that's what I carried, and I carried all my music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, the, in his third one, again, he was, you know, thinking far enough down the road where he can disperse what the second group unit was doing. Because mm-hmm. he said, my customers don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. You, you asked a great question early on. How do you deal with, companies and businesses that are not technologically uh, aware or don't know how to use the, the technology for themselves. Well, the way I position it is, I'm giving you a very narrow focus tool. I'm giving you a tool that says, hey, you have a leak or you don't have a leak. That's it. It's relatively simplistic. All of the technology that goes in it is my headache, not yours. And so what ends up happening is if I can focus it down to the benefit versus the technology, that's where I think I'm going to make an inroad with my customers. Mm-hmm. Yes, the customers are telling us, but we're the tech, if, you know, I don't want to use the word genius, we're the smart guys who put all the technologies together. And we have a great team that we work with to, hey, they understand the technology, they understand what the framework is, they understand how to make all the pieces fit. And so if I can get, uh, you know, what was it? Um, Another great example, uh, the United States of America spent $1 million on a pen that can write upside down in space. Do you know that story? Yes, yes, how the ballpoint, fa- the, the, the ballpoint pen was uh, invented. Yes. Uh, oh, no, this is a space, uh, a pen that can write in space because there's no gravity. Uh, and a pen here on Earth mm-hmm. uses gravity to allow the ink to flow through the nib and, and write on the paper. Mm-hmm. In space, there's no gravity because, you know, and there's no pressure, right? So they had to yeah. put artificial pressure into the ink well and push. Every time you push down on the paper, you know, gotcha. the pressure used to uh, push the ink through and then you write. Mm-hmm. Russia came up and said, this is ours. Yeah. <laughs> the pencil, yeah. Uh, and and I mean, it's a joke, but yeah. still, it was a, it was a great joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can simplify the use of the tool, and give them just the tool and the understanding of the tool, the technology part is my headache to build. And so, you know, coming back to your original question, um, 
how do you deal with all these different technologies and you know putting it all together the cu- and and you know the customer doesn't know what they want well it's not true they don't know how the technology works mm. but they definitely know what they want uh, and it's my job to put the technology together to give them what they want that's how mm-hmm. i see it yeah yeah so it's it's like a yin and yang effect you know the push and pull right push of the, the technology provider right and and pull of the service user like you know yeah. trying to try to work with them to work together to push a new innovation out there that's 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 an interesting way of putting it and uh, you know i mean i i've talked to a few people about this and i think like that's that, that's one of the interesting things of innovation right you build first and then you sell sell it to everybody else or do you build it within the framework of what's existing and and work it in there but um yeah i mean one of the things i would ask is like you you personally right how did you get into iot like what was that trajectory look like was it a career move it's like you know you see this field coming and you want to get into there and and you you know you want to move into that industry was it a personal pain point that you experienced somewhere personal interest where would it come from uh, I'll, I'll tell you for me you know leak mitigation and you know the water iq project and everything else is is a personal thing because i've had three leaks in my home hmm. and i've spent a few thousand dollars in fixing it up after the fact yeah. Uh, and I always thought, damn, there's got to be a way to do this. And sure enough, when my when my customer said, can you add these kinds of features, it became a, a very natural fit for something that I wanted to look at anyway. Mm. But getting into IoT technology, I'm not sure I'm that smart. Mm. Uh, you know, I look at it as uh, it's it's a natural direction of what we've been doing with our software. Yeah. You know, and the nice thing about it is that our software can do many, many things because of the way we've designed it and that it's purposefully built specifically for specific kinds of tasks. And, you know, if I have to say, you know what, Ravi, I need you to go somewhere and do this, and I schedule it through our software and you receive it on your mobile device and you go and send it, uh, you know, you go to the destination, you do your job, and well, how do I send Ravi less? Uh, you know, how do I, you know, do get him to do less work Still pay Ravi what he deserves, but you know manage more customers. That's when you start getting into how the technology, how remote technology is going to work, how the data that comes in from that shows you more information than you had before. We uh, worked with a sensor developer that created a bin sensor. So imagine you've got these big vat garbage bins. I have to go and collect it every single day. What if I don't have that much garbage in that particular bin? Do I need to go there? I've got 500 bins across mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Guess what? If I only have to send one truck to, you know, 300 bins, how much time am I saving? Uh, you know, how many resources am I saving? And I look at that as what what's valuable in the last two years is the democratization of data, mm-hmm. and in, and a lot of that comes down to how the data is ingested into everybody's life. If I can put sensors in out into the world and say, yeah, I know there's going to be, uh, you know, four centi- there's set four centimeters of snow in Richmond Hill, but there's only one centimeter of snow in Mississauga. Well, I think I need to focus my guys on Richmond Hill, um, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, 300 uh, garbage bins, but only 20 are full. Well, then let's yeah. go to empty those t- uh, those 20, and then you know worry about the other 280 when they become full. Mm-hmm. In concept, the more data you start bringing in, the more you know where to spend your resources. Absolutely. And so for uh, me, uh, you ask yeah. the question, how did I get into it? 
I got into it because I already had one tool, which was the communication vehicle, the scheduling vehicle, the uh, optimization vehicle of the person doing the work. Now I just extended that to say, what more can I give them to be able to do uh, less work, but more uh, uh, efficiently? Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, the, the penultimate form of uh, what I promise by IT, right? It's like, a, it's like a distributed spread of like sensory me- mechanisms that just gives you data that you can perform intelligence through, Yeah. right? And um, have you heard of this like um, this idea of like digital twins, right? Like using virtual, recreating, creating virtual simulations of environments using real-world data from IoT solution, from IoT yeah. points. So there's a company that came on our podcast, uh, uh, 3D Cityscapes. They just raised. Uh, They're think, a great uh, company. I love those guys. Yeah, Resin and uh, yeah, I mean they're they're crushing it. So yeah. I knew Reza for a long time. Um, you know, back when he was uh, you know working within the industrial roofs kind of space. And then from there, you know, he, he navigated into um, 3D Cityscapes and they're doing phenomenal right now, you know, phenomenal. They got like some world-class uh, um, kind of projects they're working on and they're creating these 3D dimensional, um, you know, replicas of buildings and entire cities, Absolutely. right? They're replicating, I think, downtown um, uh, downtown Dubai, like completely, you uh, know, in, in like in that Unity engine. And one of the things we were talking about is like, you know, like the next iteration of that is pairing that together with IoT sensors. So you don't just have this like a a, a walkthrough map, a three-dimensional map of, of a city and the buildings inside out, but you also have the sensors seeing yeah. the water flow, the how the light, how, how much light is coming in and how much energy is going to that, the ACs running, the power utilization, like you know, like a real-world simulation, I'm like Sim City brought to life. Right, where you can run models against it, you know, like you know, uh, you know, tension modeling and and figure out and and look for the pain points, but also see how the future run rates would be, and you know, the idea of simulating life, real life, right? I think it's super exciting. There, right? Do you I see working, that being? Uh, I was working with a startup uh, about 15 years ago. I lived in Dubai for three years. Okay. And uh, I was working with a startup in Dubai that did exactly that, but mm-hmm. nothing to the scale of of what uh, Reza and his team are doing today. Like. This is just, you know, otherworldly uh, today. But it has been 15 years, so technology yeah. has certainly improved over the last 15 years. Absolutely. I mean, and it's, and it's, uh, I mean, that's that's really interesting. Right? The fact that like there's this idea has been around, but the technology had to catch up for the implementation of it, yeah. right? And it, we've seen the coalescence of that. So I think like we're definitely seeing that. And then we also, I also had uh, Lawrence Etta, the CTO of uh, uh, City of Toronto. On our mm-hmm. podcast, right, and we're talking about open data, uh, open data projects, right? Like uh, New York, back in the day, like piloted this program, open data, data New York, and Toronto copy, like you know, is, is moving towards that open data at Toronto, where the city itself is collecting all the real world data and from informatics and is uh, and publishing it, right, for real world people to use it, right? I think, the, and then he was, we were talking about the next iteration being plugging that right into these kind of simulation software and working with providers like yourself, you know, the, so all these different, different uh, service providers, all these different property managers and feeding into a collective pool where everyone has a unilateral map of, of a real world simulation of everything that's going on. Right. So, you know, your, your, your client would have a simulation, you know, from, from your portal, like a simulation of what's going on within their building infrastructure, but that can communicate with other buildings they might even run on a different uh, different system, uh, work within a city infrastructure that works on a different system, and kind of start communicating together. And right? I, I think that's a... If you remember what happened about 10 years ago with the eHealth, mm-hmm. I think what Ontario government tried to do with eHealth was create that platform that says, 
I've got 500 different, you know, EMRs, uh, electronic medical record systems out there. Yeah. I want to create a pool that just, you know, I can pull data from any of those different disparate systems and create an, a master uh, ecosystem or master data form for all residents of Ontario, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, what ends up happening there was there's a lot of challenges in being able to put that, create that pool. And I think if the, the city of Toronto or the government of Ontario or even the government of Canada is looking at that kind of stuff, I think there's hundreds of thousands of companies who can, A, start to deliver data and then, you know, in a, in a flat format. Uh, it doesn't have to be live data right away. It starts with, like you said, simulation. So I'll give you, you know, one year's worth of information. Here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's coming from me. Now you've got 20 other companies having their one year's worth of data, and that's coming from them. And, you know, what did they do? Now that they've got data for, you know, 500 buildings, what do you do with it? And, you know, now, now you start getting into the world of AI and, you know, what does it mean? And, you know, come back down to the example of how much light am I getting well, from my south-facing windows versus the light that I'm getting from my north-facing windows. You know, what's the temperature difference between the north side of the building and the south side of the building? Mm. Am I needing to adjust temperature, uh, you know, on the 18th floor on the north side of the building a little bit more because there's less sunlight? All those things, those are great questions. Uh, and, and eventually, I mean, once there's this group of, uh, a group of companies that are putting it together, but just as importantly, there's uh, a resource that we can all go to to a put that information in and then create extrapolations against it. Mm. I think that's a that's a it's a big task. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's a government think, level task for sure. It is right, but I think I don't think it's just I think I don't think it's enough for government to champion it because because you know like there's a lot of bureaucracy involved, there's a lot of innovation involved. Do you not think that it should be more of like a public private partnership, almost like a um, like a nonprofit or like a like a like a collaboration between a bunch of firms together creating an entity that kind of sets standards and rules and regulations for them to all coordinate and share data right within public private uh, through public part, uh, private partnerships uh, right? absolutely like a standards board or a committee something like that yeah uh, i think it comes back down to the question you had asked uh, earlier how do the customers know what they want Mm-hmm. And governments may not know what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, even uh, private organizations may not know what they want. Mm-hmm. I think being part of an association or being part of a group of businesses that are looking at technology and the way the technology can work for, uh, you know, a government or a, a municipality or a group or a sector, for example, uh, I think that's the, you know, being part of like an association like that is of immense value. Uh, in my own case, like, I mean, I'm part of TechConnect, which is great, and I learn a lot from all the people uh, who are engaged within TechConnect on a regular basis. Um, but I'm also part of, you know, property tech uh, associations, at least through LinkedIn for now. And I'm trying to get myself involved in all these other associations. So it comes back down to the question you just said, mm-hmm. you know, if you get like these think tank, think tank type of people sitting together in a room and talking about what can we do with this and what can we do with that and where do we see ourselves, uh, you know, from a data perspective in six months, a year, two years, five years. And I think once those kinds of ideas come out of it, now you can get into the, you know, public-private partnerships and we can say, hey, guys, this will create value for you here. Mm -hmm. Can I get some support from, 
you know, the municipality? Can I get some support from the provincial government? Can I get some support from the federal government? Who can I go after in the private sector to be able to put all that together and then create that PPP, mm-hmm. private-public partnerships, yeah. in order to be able to do that. But in order to do that, I also think you need to be able to get some of those ideas defined. Definitely. And hopefully, uh, uh, you know, the people that I'm interacting with are, are certainly tweaking my uh, 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 ideas and brains and uh, innovation almost on a daily basis. No, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think we just need like a good leader to come forward to like lead that or a group of leaders who can really champion that forward and bring the, the partnerships required to do that. But I, I do have like a really pointed question to ask, though. Sure. What is the executive function of a chief bottle washer? <laughs> so I don't know how your home works, my home works in that, uh, you know, we all try and do everything. Right? Yeah. So, you know, some days I, I'm cooking more today. So my COVID uh, skill is that I'm cooking more than mm-hmm. I've ever cooked before which is great. Um, you know, uh, my son's COVID kill, skill was he wants to get into law. So he took some courses around law. He, he's getting into different technology. Um, you know, my wife's COVID skill was she got into stocks. Uh, so uh, for me, chief bottle washer in a, in a company is uh, somebody who is involved in all aspects uh, and in does the job that nobody else is doing at the moment. Uh, you know, when you're small, we're a small business, you know, we're 10 people, not everybody is dedicated to one aspect of an organization, right? So you're not just a salesperson. Mm-hmm. You're also, you know, a technology person in one way, shape or form. You're also, a, I'm not a developer, but I've done development in my very long past. Uh, yeah. And so for me, chief bottle washer is somebody who looks at all aspects of the of the company and can do little bits of pieces of all aspects of the company. So I'm not the CEO. You know, I define myself as COO who does a lot of different things. But uh, I look at it as everybody has to roll their sleeves up and do something. That's mm-hmm. what a chief bottle washer rolls their <laughs> sleeves up and does something. Whatever get it shit, takes. The get shit done off. Get shit done kind of person. Yeah. I awesome. love it. That's yeah. one of my favorite things. <laughs> no, definitely. Washer. Yeah. So we got kind of tied up with Infield. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk too much about um, Tech Tech Connects. Yeah. Um, can we can we go get a quick overview of that? What was yeah. your chief uh, What's the chief problem you're solving there, and what do you what do you hope to do? I don't know if it's a problem that we're solving. I think it's okay. an opportunity for uh, organizations to be able to connect um, based on the fact that you're using some kind of technology. So. Mm. A lot of it initially was, oh, look, I'm a technology company. I want to be able to connect with other technology companies. I can go into a doctor's office and I can tell you how much technology that they're using today and say, geez, you're a technology company. I can go into a plumbing office right now and say, you know, how much technology are you using? Geez, you're a technology company. I can go into, a, a, you know, any organization today uses technology. Mm-hmm. The difficulty in a lot of these, if you're a t- tech company like I am, uh, you know, I'm already invested in technology. I, I've, you know, done a lot of research in it. I, I play in it. I develop in it. So I understand a lot of what technology does. But where I think TechConnects is of, of huge value is it's now trying to bring in 
non-technology people to be able to uh, give outlines of what technology can do for them mm-hmm. and also learn from each other. There's hundreds of great technology companies inside, not, yeah, uh, you know, many, many great technology companies within TechConnects. And, but there's, you know, there's HR companies, there's, you know, uh, cybersecurity companies, there's, there's banks, there's, you know, all our board of directors has, uh, you know, uh, many phenomenal people on it, municipalities. What's great about it is the layer of technology that we've always said, oh, you know, I'm a technology company, I should only fit within my little, it's, no, every company, every business out there is now a technology company. And what TechNX tries to do is, you know, bring these disparate companies together, uh, allow conversations to take place, just like you and I are doing today. You know, how can we help other members of our of the technology? What do we have to do? So we have, you know, great, great sessions for HR. We've got great sessions as a CIO. We've got great sessions from a CEO perspective. Uh, we have a CEO roundtable. That's one of the most heavily visited on a monthly basis. Why? Because, you know, there's a lot of large technology uh, companies that belong to TechConnects and small technology companies like mine that belong to TechConnects. And we're all doing different kinds of things. But as a company, as a business, you know, many of the features and functions are relatively the same. How are you handling government funding? Oh, how are you handling, uh, you know, security breaches? Mm. Uh, you know, one of my uh, colleagues in TechConnects had a security breach about, uh, uh, you know, uh, eight months ago. And Two months back, I had the exact same kind of security breach. So my partner sends me an email saying, hey, Prasad, I need you to, you know, cover this expense for, you know, company X. And I said, yeah, sure. I don't, I I can't do it now. I'll do it later. So I respond, I can't do it now. I'll do it later. And, uh, uh, you know, I sent him off and he replies right back within two minutes. Yeah, no problem. You know, end of day is good. Perfect. And then I, you know, come to uh, mid-afternoon or something like that, and I look at the email. I said, "I don't remember this expense. I don't remember <laughs> where it came from." So then I call up my partner. I said, "What the hell are you doing? You're asking me to pay this this expense. It's a significant number." Uh, I said, "But I don't remember authorizing this, and I don't remember you asking for it." Mm. He goes, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "What?" I said, "You just asked me to pay this invoice." And he says, no, I didn't. And then I look at the email, and it's all of it is except that there's one letter different. Wow. Oh, my God. Somebody spoofed his email. I thought it was him. And here I am trying to figure out. And then then I didn't do anything. And I say, hey, listen, it's a large amount. I replied to the guy back. Hey, it's a large amount. I can't cover it today. I'll cover it tomorrow. And then he says, sure, no problem. Tomorrow he emails me, can you make sure you cover it off by the end of day today? I thought, wow. So I called up the uh, Canadian uh, anti-squad. And this is the exact same thing that happened to one of my colleagues. In, and if I yeah, hadn't yeah, remembered yeah. that, oh my God. I would have just gone ahead and said, well, okay, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, and I wouldn't have questioned it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it happened there to somebody else, it's holy shit, you know, you think uh, uh, all those things. And that's what I love about a, a, an association like TechConnects is, yes, it's a technology base but it's really how do you help your business yeah Uh, how do you grow your business what are you guys doing differently what can i do hey i have this kind of a problem can you guys you know give me some suggestions and so on gotcha i mean that's that's good that's good that's pretty good right you know just like a place for business to go and just you know have discussions around technology related issues 
Um, the knowledge share is so important. Knowledge share is so important when you're growing any kind of company and business. But um, man, Prasad, man, it's our kind of well, kind of uh, kind of wonderful. Right, right away. Uh, this is really good. I, I feel like I can sit down and uh, you know dissect a few more ideas with you. We definitely got to do a round two sometime in the near future. I'd like. But um, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been absolutely great. I love talking about the stuff that I already love, but uh, more importantly, I love talking about stuff I don't know. So next time, I'd love to be on a. Uh, we'll switch it around, okay? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You. <laughs> oh, definitely. You you interview me, man. Um, let's sit down for a few minutes. Um, we're gonna do a quick debrief. But for everyone who's listening in, this is Prasad with Infield Solutions and TechNex. Thank you so much. 